Hello, my name is Ben. And my name is Cheyenne. We are your hosts for the Too Vague Podcast this ah, week. We are. We are your hosts for yes. the Too Vague Podcast this week. Yes, we are. That was my cue that I missed. You don't have to say it. But I like, I like to be included. Okay. We are talking about intelligence oh, there this you, week. Yeah. Excellent word, intelligence. Very. It means many things to different people. Yeah, it's kind of a controversial subject at times. Yeah, it can be. Before we get into that, let me ask you, what have you been doing lately? I should say, I took quite a long hiatus from the podcast. Yeah. I haven't been back since, I think it was probably before the summer yeah. since I came on here. It's been a while. But I have been up to nothing good. Okay. Um, I've been playing lots of video games. I yeah. went to... Portland for a few weeks over nice, the summer. So nice. that was really cool. And you had a birthday. And I had a birthday. I just turned 26 years old. Congratulations. Thank you. On being able to rent a car. I don't know. Maybe that was 25. My brain is fully developed now. So you can ask me anything and I will know the answer. Really? Yeah, it's yeah. true. Meaning of life? 42. Okay. <laughs> what games are you playing? I don't know if I've talked about Project Zomboid on the show. No. But that is, by uh, by and large, the best game I've been playing for the past few months. Okay. It's been in development for a really long time. Right. Um, but they've done quite a few big updates recently. Okay. Project Zomboid is awesome. It is a base building survival simulation game. Okay. Inspired by Sims 2, I believe. And it's really cool. It takes place in Kentucky after the zombie apocalypse begins on okay. November 9th, 2004. So you spawn in a random house in one of like a few preset cities. Okay. And then from there, you're just, that's it. You're surviving. You have to pick up what you can find and go from there. Okay. Is this one of those games that you can pick up and put down at will or is it something that you have to plan to play with your buddies the games themselves do they last days or do they last hours i would say they last days okay. for sure and okay. you can really pick up and put down as you go i like to play solo but it is also a really great multiplayer game hmm. um, both online or just locally with your friends right the game is like a sandbox game. So right. you don't have to, there's not a storyline that you have to follow. Yeah. You're just building, exploring, looting, lots of looting and lots of zombie killing. We may have talked about this before, but a sandbox game is just, you think of it as a blank canvas kind of thing. Like you, you build your castles in a sandbox. Yeah, that's how I always think about it. It's just like an enclosed little space where you can have fun with yeah. with the tools you're provided. Exactly. Like its own ecosystem and, and all that sort of thing, right? Yeah. It's not generally the kind of game that I play, those types of simulators. Right. But I may pick it up. I may try it. It's worth a play, especially if you get a, a sale to, to buy it. It has eaten up so much of my time. Right. It's like simulation games have always been my favorite sort of games ever since I was a kid. I think... The Sims was my first beloved video game that I spent way too much time playing. Yeah. And Project Zomboid is a lot like The Sims. You know, there's a lot of taking care of your pawn. Obviously, the goal is to survive, but there's really no end game. You know, there's no destination that you're trying to reach or, you know, amount of fake 
virtual dollars that you're trying to earn. It's it's just, you know, you're trying to see what you can do. The goal of the game is to survive. That's basically it. Yeah. You just survive the apocalypse. It's not in real time, right? It's sort of an accelerated timeline too. There, Yeah, there's an in-game clock. And the purpose of the game is kind of debated by the community. Uh-huh. The As you're spawning in every time, you get a little message that says, this is how you die. Eventually, no matter what you do, you're you going to die. Okay. I don't actually know if you can die of old age. Uh, Hmm. But I think that would be kind of interesting. But that is the only thing that can really happen to you in the game. There's no way to escape the quarantine zone. There's no way to like end the zombie apocalypse. It's just you're just out here surviving. The survival game in the true sense of the word survival. Right. Exactly. It's pretty awesome. But I do understand if it's not something that you would normally play. Definitely wait until you can get it on the cheap. Yeah, I definitely want to uh, wait until it goes on sale. Lately, I've been buying some games for Steam on my Mac, which is, I never realized there were so many games available. Definitely not as many as on the PC, but a significant number of games that I can play and when they go on sale. One that I am playing, speaking of simulation, is called Cult of the Lamb. Right, I was going to ask you about Cult of the Lamb. Yeah, Cult of the Lamb is a game published by Devolver Digital, developed by Massive Monster. It is a roguelike, action-y, you've seen Hades, right? Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like Hades insofar as you've got your map and you, you go from place to place, you defeat the monsters, you pick up resources that you use in your camp. And it's like you're building your own cult. So so that's what the whole thing is. <laughs> that's is, cool. Have yeah. you built a pretty sizable cult at this point? At this point, I'm still in the handful of followers of my cult. So how do you go about acquiring followers for your cult? As you play through a mission, you will either find someone to rescue as a part of the map. You've, you've got kind of a tree going from set of missions like okay so think of it as a dungeon right you go from this dungeon to the next dungeon the next dungeon you will have a selection of four three different paths you can take and each one has a different icon on it which shows what the final big thing you get like for some it's it's food for one it's right you rescue Gotcha. So it is similar to Hades in that sense, because as I recall, when you're going through the different levels of Hades, Mm -hmm. each door that you can go through has a symbol on it that indicates what sort of treasure or, Mm -hmm. you know, what sort of thing you're going to get from going that route. Right. You also come across in the world stores where you can buy better weapons. The, The weapons that you get, I think, only last you the duration of the dungeon. And then as you level up your character, I think you open up accessibility to different weapons that appear randomly when you go to those spots. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Once again, the sim part of it is not the best thing. It's not your favorite part of the gameplay. But it's interesting. It's an interesting part. You know, and and the... Your different followers give you silly little missions. Like one of them wanted to try eating poop. (laughs) (laughs) And the problem with eating poop, I don't know if you know this from personal experience, it's not good for you. You know, I can't say I have any personal experience with eating poop, but I've heard that nine out of 10 doctors agree 
that it's not good for you. Yes, nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. I would like doctors. to think it's ten out of ten doctors, but okay. It has interesting sort of things that you have to deal with with your followers. If you get a follower that loses faith in you as the leader of this cult, they will go around with a megaphone and try and change other people's minds. Oh, okay. You preach sermons and you do all sorts of rituals and stuff to boost their... Their affinity to you? Correct. Is it a good balance between action and simulation for so. you? Or yeah, I think it's a good balance. Would I prefer more action? Yes. But as, as far as the balance between the two, I, I think it's enjoyable. Yeah. It's an, an enjoyable game. So I have another friend who was complaining about an action RPG oh. that just incorporated elements of simulation in it. The game in question is Outward. It's developed by Nine Dots Studio. It's an adventure, open world fantasy RPG. Uh -huh. um, but they incorporated these elements of settlement building and city building in mm -hmm. them, mm -hmm. um, which really changes up the gameplay because right. for the most part, it's kind of like a, I think it's a sword and board type adventure exploration game. Right. So the whole city building part kind of comes out of nowhere and adds in like what I have heard is a bit of a tedious, grindy aspect to the mm. game. You played Skyrim, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, like who didn't? <laughs> right. At this point. Yeah, Nora. No, but probably anyway. Nora, yes. <laughs> oh, definitely Nora didn't play <laughs> Skyrim. So in Skyrim, you could go from town to town or you could live in a, a house, right? And then you customize that area. But other than that, it was more for cosmetic purposes and not about, you know what I mean? It's Yeah, I do. So this building of stuff, the complaint is it's not about the cosmetics. It's more about it has something to do with the game itself? Yeah, it's part of the inner game mechanics adds in like a non-optional investment into these cities that you start to build. Okay. It's detrimental to slack on the city building part of right, it. Right, right. At least according to my friend Asa. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Asa says no. Thumbs down. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I think in Skyrim it was a definitely more cosmetic. Oh, yeah, And yeah. that was, I think a lot of what you're talking about came from the Hearthfire DLC. Okay. Where you can build your own house and, and then you like build all the furniture that goes inside of it. But mm. that was a good little side addition, you know? Yeah. Okay, well, that's what we're playing. Yeah, that's what we're playing so recently. Go. That's good. Good little warm-up there. Good little conversational warm-up to talk about something that I'd like to think we both possess. I think everyone, to some degree, and many creatures possess intelligence. Okay. Um, which is going into... This is the hard part. Intelligence is a very nebulous topic and a nebulous word that can mean so many different things. Yeah different contexts. Exactly. Oxford Languages defines the noun intelligence as the ability to acquire and apply knowledge and skills or a person or being with the ability to acquire and apply knowledge. It's also a collection of information of military or political value. Right. Like counterintelligence. Right. Or the intelligence you gather. Intelligence gathering missions and things. Right. Also gaining knowledge, but for a different specific purpose oh an archaic use of it is information in general news oh intelligence yeah the origin of intelligence latin intellegre 
Intelli- intelligentia. Yeah, Intelli- intelligentia. 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 I don't know. <laughs> That's a gum condition. <laughs> it's from... Make sure you brush your gums or else you'll get intelligentia. <laughs> intelligentia. From uh, old French, from Latin, intelligent- intelligentia. Can't do that. Yeah. Uh, meaning understand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then the English intelligent and intelligence. So, and also looking at the Google Ngram viewer, very consistent use of intelligence in print throughout the last centuries. A little dip in the 1900s, <laughs> little dip. But, it was less uh, important at the time. It was less being. important in print anyway. What do you think of when you think of the word intelligence personally? I just think about a quality of understanding and knowledgeability in people in general. Mm -hmm. I think about intelligent people. There's different types of intelligence for different people. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of people think intelligence and they think smarts, you know, or book smarts specifically being really knowledgeable about heady subjects like math or science. Mm -hmm. Now we're entering this new era where I think different forms of intelligence are being valued. Right. For example, are you talking like things like emotional intelligence or... Right. Or existential intelligence, which I didn't know was a thing before today. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe I should just go over the types of intelligence on this infographic that I see here. An infographic by Mark Vital, Vital... V-I-T-A-L. Vital. Vital. Isn't that how you spell vital? Yes. Okay. So Mark Vital. <laughs> He's a vital person. Yes, literally. The types of intelligence, there are nine of them. Spatial intelligence, visualizing the world in three dimensions. Natural intelligence, understanding living things and reading nature. Musical intelligence, discerning sounds, their pitch, tone, rhythm, and timbre logical hyphen mathematical intelligence which is quantifying things making hypotheses and proving them existential which you just mentioned tackling questions of why we live and why we die that's a big one that's a big one interpersonal intelligence sensing people's feelings and motives bodily kinesthetic intelligence coordinating your mind with your body Linguistic intelligence, finding the right words to express what you mean, and intrapersonal intelligence, which is understanding yourself, what you feel, and what you want. Yeah, so there's inter and then there's intrapersonal, which yes. is really yes, cool. Yes, this is intra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that a lot of people, or it used to be commonly thought of as logical mathematical intelligence. I think you that know. when people think of intelligence quotient and tests, right, and exactly. intelligence, generally they think of knowledge and the use of that knowledge, right? Yeah. When I think of an intelligence, it's hard not to think of my dad. Business guy, knew a lot of information, did a lot of things that you know, like his drafting, like he designed houses and designed the staircase that we talked about when Art was on the show. Something that is sort of out of the normal. It's not something that, you know, like you go to the, go to someone on the street and say, design a staircase. Yeah. And like, where do I start? There are different types of intelligence. I think that's the thing that we need to keep in mind. Just because someone doesn't have book smarts, I wouldn't discount them because they're 
unintelligent. Yeah, exactly. My father also like tried to instill that as a value in me. I've always been interested in learning from an early age. School and academics was something that interested me. Mm. But at one point in my life, he took time to sit me down and say, I want you to make sure that you know that being kind, you know, being a good person counts for a lot, even over being an intelligent person, right. which is something that has always stayed with me. Yeah. You know, I think and he was trying to convey the importance of having good values, you know, mm-hmm. probably a good lesson that he tried to teach me. Yeah. You said tried. Oh, well, yeah, I, I'm not a, you know, I'm, I just turned out to be a terrible evil <laughs> no, no, I'm no. Just, it sounds it sounds like he did teach you that lesson, right? It was, it was something that you take to heart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's it's hard to uh, judge a person's intelligence in any context. Oh you yeah, know? like I mean, unless think, you're sitting down having a really in depth conversation with them, or unless they're sitting there drinking some bleach. <laughs> yeah, or or walking into a wall. Yeah. You know, there's there's something to be said about the ability to learn and the ability to solve problems. That's a big aspect of critical thinking type intelligence. Do you think of IQ at all when you think of intelligence or is that not something you think of? I never really think of IQ simply because I think it's a test um, or a gauge that somebody created at one point that I just think fails to really reach the full scope of a person's abilities, you know, yeah. and their mental faculties. Yeah, it's, it's an oversimplification, I think. There's an article that I read about this little girl. I think she's five years old and she learned Spanish on her own. Right. Just using an iPad and other games. And so they're saying her IQ is 160. There's a formula involved in computing this, but it doesn't take into account a lot of things as far as emotional intelligence i mean that's not part of the iq test is right and maybe that's why it's called a quotient i mean i think people think you have high iq that means success that's not necessarily the case it just means that your cognitive problem solving spatial abilities those are all those are high exactly an intelligence quotient is a total score derived from a set of standardized tests yeah. or subtests designed to assess human intelligence. Right. I've never taken an IQ test before. Have you? I think I took one once when I was younger. I think I was scored anywhere, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 130 or something. Something like was, that. I was, I was little, right? I was younger. Right, right. I mean, I haven't taken one recently. I haven't gone to any Mensa meetings. Do they still have Mensa meetings? Uh, I do not know. Yeah. Do you know what Mensa is? It's an organization, I think, devoted to like, is it scientific uh, studies or what is No, it? no, no. It's it's more of a social club. It's oh, Mensa. High IQ Society. Okay. Yes. I was, you know, I was under the impression they discussed like really important things no, there. No, no, no. <laughs> they, just, they just pat themselves on the back for how until... I, it's like a, it's, it's happy hour for really, really, I am very smart people. They do nonprofit things. It's a club founded in England in 1946. I, what's the purpose of people getting together with high IQs? 
talking about high IQ things, obviously. What what does that mean? What is a high IQ thing? Well, you mentioned that your dad went to some of those Mensa meetings. He went, but then he he went to a couple meetings and came to the conclusion that these people were idiots. Right. It means that they're not fun to be around, maybe. Their social skills may be lacking. Maybe they're stuck up Um, or... Perhaps. I think the purpose of going to a meeting of that nature... Maybe for some people, it was a way to build themselves up in a way, make themselves feel like they accomplished something. Yeah. That's a question, too. It's like how much of intelligence, it's a nature versus nurture thing. How much are you born with and how much do you have to work at? Yeah, that's tough. Are people born with a certain level of intelligence? Are some people born with less quantifiable intelligence than others? To me, it always seemed like that was more of a nurture thing based on your early childhood development, you know, and what happens, you know, as you grow older. I think there is a biological component, however, when it comes to the way the brain works differently for each of us. Right. We have different brain scans and and the way our brains process information is different. So there may be people who possess skills that will allow them to utilize this differently than others. So I think there is a nature, you can teach your brain to do things. Yeah. In fact, isn't that one of the signs of intelligence is learning, right? Right. The ability to learn is linked to, you know, more having more intelligence. The ability to solve problems and reason, figure things out more than storing information. Right. There are people who are intelligent who can memorize things too, right? Right. They have high retention. But that doesn't mean that they're the most intelligent person. That just means they have... Well, yeah, like think about cramming for a test the night before. I don't want to think about cramming <laughs> for a test the night before. Well, it's like, can you say you're smart in a subject if you got an A in it because every night before your tests, you would sit there for five hours and study all the terms and learn exactly what you needed to. But right. then two weeks later, if you were asked to do the same problem over yeah, again, that's all. Gone. would you be able to do it right. still? Yeah. That's a learning sort of thing and that's also probably one of the ways in which the school system is broken cramming for tests being one of them i think if you want to teach something there is a way to do it incrementally that will allow people to learn even though they have a tendency to cram for tests yeah i wish the academic culture was different you know it seems like it's so fast-paced it really is more conducive to test cramming and like trying to learn as much as you can as quickly as you can yeah and my experience is it isn't focused on the learning if you don't understand something at a low level they're trying to weed you out they don't want you to learn it the focus isn't on teaching people at every level how to do something if they want to the focus is on okay let's take the top people and move them up move them on At the college level, it's about weeding people out. That's my impression because that's been my experience. I would agree with that. Seems like a lot of college is trying to shuffle people through as fast as possible, trying to get scores, higher scores, more funding for the school. Mm -hmm. So there's a lack of cultivation of actual knowledge there. Right. But you're still in the system. I am. I enjoy college. You're part of the problem. I've, I am part of the problem. Yeah. I've always loved to learn, and I, I love academics. If I had all the money in the world, I would probably stay in school forever. More power to you. 
I think that there is something to be said about really taking your time mm-hmm. with school. And yeah. that's what I like to do is to take just a few classes every semester mm-hmm. and take them on the longest course timeline as possible so that right. I have time to actually sit there and learn things. Because I've taken mm-hmm. classes in six weeks that were so stressful, uh, mm-hmm. like my calculus class that I just passed. But it was the most stressful month of my life, you know? The way that my school's semesters are structured for online students are um, A, B, and C sessions. Mm -hmm. So they cut the semester in half for the A and the B sessions, and the C session is considered the entire semester. Okay. Usually online students will take a few classes in the first half and a few classes in the second half, and to me that's just so stressful and way too abbreviated to actually learn something useful from Mm -hmm. these classes. Did you call it the C session, right? Yeah, the C session. Not the C section. C section. I think I said C session. Yeah, you did. You okay, did. I good was enough. just, you know. You're just making a but I'm just a pregnancy joke, I guess. <laughs> you mentioned something that the thought. I know when I was younger, I wanted to learn as much as possible. Now, in a span of time, I want to do it incrementally and at my own pace. I am learning throughout my entire life in some way shape or form. I'm I'm making sure I do that. I like to research and things of that nature. Right. So what I want to do for the rest of my life is experience new things, not learn new stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what? Maybe it's a combination of both because there is some learning that's involved in doing new things. Exactly. I think it's kind of splitting hairs there. Yeah. Um, it's a semantic. New experiences and learning new things. You're saying you don't want to sit down and just go through textbooks and try to cram knowledge into your brain. Exactly. You'd it's, like to enjoy it over time as on a natural timeline. Yeah. As usual, you have crystallized my thoughts eloquently. <laughs> this is why you're my attorney. <laughs> but I'm not being paid <laughs> to be your attorney, though. It's pro bono. It's pro bono. <laughs> it's pro bono work. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that is the dream for anyone, really, is to be afforded the opportunity to take things at your own pace. Yeah. That would be like a true Star Trek golden world, you know, spend all your time just gathering knowledge in a sort of like slow, accumulative manner. Right. Or expressing expressing yourself, putting new stuff into the world. I guess you could really equate college today and like the current academic climate as job training. You know, it's just, it's specialization training so that you can get a a specialized field somewhere. But if it's job training, why aren't there trade schools? It's not like a trade school thing. So it's sort of that. In my career, maybe this has changed as we've moved on, but people who get degrees in something of the people that I know seldom use those degrees for that subject. For the intended purpose, right? Arden's dad has a PhD in marine biology, Mm -hmm. and I think he builds boats for a living for the most part. I think he does some other work too, but there is definitely something to be said about it. It's a common trend of we go to college to get degrees in the field of our choice, and then we go off and almost always do other things with them. Right. That's part of being adaptable right adapting to the situation or discovering new things about yourself maybe you get your degree but you can apply it somewhere else where you have more enjoyment 
or even, you know, where the jobs are located. I mean, you know, there's kind of an adaptability component to intelligence, I think. Yeah, you have to take what you can get. Yeah. Boy, that was that went all over the place, didn't it? <laughs> That's why it's so difficult to talk about intelligence. It's just such a, like I said earlier, it's sort of a nebulous idea. Yeah. Do you want to talk about artificial intelligence? That's something that you are really interested in as far as your chosen career path. Yeah, absolutely. My dream job is to build smart robots. I think a lot of people would think of in movies when you have like bipedal robots that are serving mankind and like they go rogue and kill everybody or but it's really a lot more expansive than just bipedal robots, you know, Mm -hmm. because it can extend to so many different areas of life. And artificial intelligence doesn't have to be in a body either. Like it can just be a computer that's really good at tracking certain things that develops new things on its own. Do you have any specific interests in artificial intelligence? Any fears about artificial intelligence? Um, I don't know. I think that we're kind of putting the cart ahead of the horse with developing artificial intelligence. If we cannot get along with other people, if we don't have a society that fosters positivity, intelligence, artificial or otherwise, is going to follow suit and it's going to be part of the problems we already have. <laughs> is artificial intelligence better than real or real? But you know what I mean? Like biological, biological versus artificial, you'll have those things. Yeah, I think it can be important if we're talking from an algorithm sort of way to develop things that solve problems on their own. That's, yeah. That's positive. Emotion, how can you program empathy? You you might be able to do it, I guess, but but I think of that's part of isn't isn't that a part of, you know, intelligence is being able to determine those things. Yeah. One of, one of the intelligences, right? To like, what degree do artificially intelligent like computers actually possess intelligence right you know because there is the efficiency aspect of artificial intelligence you know you're teaching computers to perceive things visually and translate that into some other form of data that they can use to predict something else but i think we're a long ways away from the sci-fi concept of machines that are like humans that are sentient that have feelings or you know motives or desires Mm -hmm. The type of artificial intelligence that engineers and scientists are working on now is more about really efficient computers that make life easier for humans. Okay. Because there's another part of intelligence that is communication and interacting with people. Is that part of artificial intelligence? How this programmed intelligence, for the lack of a better word, interacts with people? Or is that something that doesn't really matter. It depends on the purpose of the programmed intelligence, I Mm -hmm. would think. You know, there's different contexts. If you were going to have a robot barista, for example, you would probably have to program it with a degree of interpersonal skills and intelligence, but (laughs) which is really (laughs) difficult. Make sure you be legendary. (laughs) Beep boop. It's, it's, yeah, be legendary. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I don't know. I don't think Fred likes me. He just beeped and booped (laughs) at me. He said, 
can you believe that guy? He said one, one, zero, zero, one. <laughs> There's a little uh, binary humor there. Yeah. <laughs> Robots don't have to have interpersonal skills if they're mm. just managing finances or driving a car. Right. But in a lot of sci-fi concepts, they speak to people, you know, mm. they, they interact with them. Right. And I think that trying to teach a computer how to understand the nuances of human interaction would be like an incredible challenge yeah because even humans can't figure out how to interact with humans yeah and that's kind of my point as far as thoughts on developing artificial intelligence we're trying to do it we're examining it but i don't think we're going to be able to do it effectively until we are more empathetic and more understanding of others other cultures and mm-hmm. people who are different because that's definitely different. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I'd own a sex robot. <laughs> yeah. Just having a personal Android for sex or other reasons. Yeah. You yeah. Know, no, no, I know. It's such a cool idea. I mean, I'm not well, really, co- is it cool? <laughs> is it cool or is it scary or is it both? I think it's a little of both. You know, yeah. different people have different fears, you know? Right. There's the fear that your robot's going to go rogue and you know kill you in the middle of the night or whatever. Mm-hmm. They have whole stories and games and, and literature devoted to that topic. Like right. Detroit become human. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, it's revolt, right? The revolt of the, the synthetic beings. Yeah. I just don't know how much of that is actually rooted in what would happen if robots had a form of sentience or a right. partial sentience. Those are those are all things that we relate to human responses. Who's to say how mechanical or artificial intelligence is going to develop that their thoughts on things are far different than what we think about? Yeah. Especially if they interact with each other artificial intelligence to artificial intelligence their communication style is going to be different or the way they convey ideas should be fundamentally different from us it's also it would be a lot more efficient uh, as far as communication in between like artificial intelligence that's what i was gonna i was gonna bring up the efficiency question about artificial intelligence in doing things like you talked about the barista right being a barista in a previous life, when I did that, there is a learning process. You got to learn all of the beverages, their contents, their how to make them, remembering the recipes, which I think a synthetic being would excel at. Oh, yeah. But I mean, doing it in dispensing and making the beverage in such a way that the customer likes it. There is something to be said with humans and their flaws. You'll get a friggin' amazing cappuccino from one person and a, you know, and an okay, eh. okay one from someone else. But how do you teach that kind of thing to an intelligence that's a barista? Yeah, because nobody ordering a cappuccino is going to say, I want 75% of the drink to be milk foam and 25% or, you know, 20% to be hot milk and 5% to be espresso. Like, they wouldn't convey it in a way that would be quantifiable for a robot, is what I'm trying to say. You can walk up to a human barista and say, I want an extra dry cappuccino, and we'll know that you want a ton of steamed milk foam. But a robot would be like, 
what percentage of this cappuccino is going to be dry or I'm in, sorry, in, I say dry again. Dry in air <laughs> in is air how, quotations. Is that how you would say it as a robot? Dry. Yeah. How dry do you want your cappuccino? Yeah, that's how that's how I would speak if I was a robot. <laughs> or do you say wet? <laughs> I have to stop laughing. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, I would like a wet <laughs> cappuccino. What percentage of moisture would you like with your cappuccino? Yeah. So, like, see, that's another thing too. Languages. Yeah. What the? What does the word wet mean? What does the word dry mean? Trying to teach a robot those things and understanding that for some people. They'll understand what dry means. Some people may have a different definition for what that is. Is dry the percentages that you that you said? Like, is it that? Someone thinks a dry cappuccino is only 10% milk. Someone else thinks a dry cappuccino is 30%. Right. right? So how does an artificial intelligence figure that out? How do they deal with the unquantifiable nuances of the human language? Yeah. And not to mention, look. How do you respond to difficult, let's just say difficult customers? Right. There is an interaction with people piece that is important when you're a barista. With an artificial intelligence, be able to understand that if the person brings back the beverage and says that this is to whatever, to decrease or increase, even though they said that it was a 17 pump. They say, oh, this just doesn't taste right. Right. Now, how would an artificial intelligent barista deal with that how would you deal with that as a human being yeah um no, no as a robot as i don't know how i would dry. deal with it as a ro- <laughs> robot <laughs> dry <laughs> dry, <laughs> dry. <laughs> as a human being there is always communication involved you right, know right. you someone comes back and they're not happy with the drink that they have you ask them those questions to try and decipher where exactly the drink went wrong for them. Right, you know, is right. it too sweet? Is it not sweet enough? Is mm-hmm. it too like probing? Probing questions. Probing questions yeah. is the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yep. Um, because then, you know, as I, I can interpret it as they explain to me what didn't taste right, so I'm like, oh, okay, I'll add more milk to that or whatever. Yeah. But as a robot, yeah, there would be so many parameters involved in trying to make that sort of situation right and you know not to mention trying to go off of programming from the company for how many times can someone bring back this drink and then get it made for free and yeah so like recognition of people dave it's your 76th time (laughs) at starbucks or whatever (laughs) or whatever company yeah it is your 100th dry cappuccino. <laughs> dry. <laughs> Was your dry cappuccino dry. to your satisfaction today? I think your sense of humor <laughs> is dry. It's it's really tough. Like I, I think we're a long ways away from being able to program robots that have interpersonal skills that would allow them to work in service jobs. You yeah. know, people stress out about robots taking over service jobs, but... I think if we tried to implement that in the next 10 years, everyone would hate it. That yeah. Like humans who actually go to places, fast food restaurants or to a coffee shop, they would hate having to try and 
deal with a robot who doesn't understand what they want. Or who can't recommend something. I mean, maybe that's another thing. You know, how do you program that? It's like, oh, if you like this, maybe you'll like this thing. Yeah. That's kind of like what websites do, right? They collect that information. So if a website can do it, why can't a robot do that? If they had some sort of biological data tracker that they could hook into, oh, you've consumed 77 Snickers bars this month, so... I recommend you get this super chocolatey, peanutty beverage or whatever. Mm, I recommend you get a, a non-fat <laughs> latte. Is what I, re- recommend. I recommend you get a dental appointment. That too. I recommend that you get your blood sugar checked. <laughs> it's really cool idea, how, like training robots to be more human-like, but mm-hmm. that is like such an immense challenge that we're we're far from accomplishing. You mentioned robots. Robots and intelligence are two different things. I say them associated only in the context of that's like how people visualize oh, yeah. the sci-fi concept. You know, we think of, a, of, of an artificial think intelligence. Of bipedal robots, you yeah. know, that look like humans but have no hair. <laughs> you know, they always If you were a robot designing your own body. <laughs> you I don't would, think they they would look like us. Yeah. No, no, definitely not. They I probably mean, have more endofactors, more arms, you know. Probably Maybe. roll around on like a swiveling thing instead yeah. of having legs. Do you think that people are less receptive to things that are artificial intelligence because they think that they're going to take over their jobs if they're developed? I do think that is a common anxiety okay. in a lot of people Right. that automation is going to replace human work. To some degree, it's not an unfounded anxiety. Right. There's already automation that has replaced human work and the reason why it's such a problem is because we don't live in a utopian setting where people don't need to work for a living you know you have to find something that somebody else pays you to do right and if everything is automated and performed by machines that don't need to sleep eat or earn a wage for it then what are we going to do you know something else something else (laughs) As more of the simple jobs, like service-type jobs, are replaced with automation, the jobs that remain are more specialized and technical. And the ability to acquire the knowledge to do those things is sometimes prohibitive. You know, you have to go and get a degree, and people can't afford to go to college or technical school, you know? So it's creating a problem where unskilled work is not available for people. There's a knowledge gap. And that's just to say, like, work that is not... You know, work that you don't need a special degree for. Work right. that you can kind of learn at an entry level. Yeah. That's all I mean by unskilled work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is there a part that's creative, a creativity that occurs in an artificial intelligence? And you said that you read something about an art contest where an artificial intelligence, quote unquote, won the contest. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, that took place in Colorado just recently. There was a fair where they had an art contest that happens every year. I almost went to that. Yeah? Yeah, I heard it was okay. It was okay. What is that, a pun? Fair. Fair. Oh, it was okay. (laughs) That's really funny. That was really bad. (laughs) One One of the contestants entered an art piece that he said was made with a program. Apparently, there's an application called MidJourney where you can type some text into a box and it will generate an image based on what you what the you parameters. put. Yeah, based right. on the parameters, it'll 
And he submitted a piece of artwork that was created that way. Yeah. He said that he disclosed that he used that app in his submission by saying it was made via mid-journey. But apparently that wasn't enough information for people to realize that it was an AI art-generated image. So when it won first place, people were very upset about it. However, they still gave the award to the person who created the image with the app. Okay. I don't know if you can really say that the artificial intelligence made a piece of artwork, though, because it was going off of word association. It's generating an image based on programming and parameters that the developers of the the program made if it's like any other ai generation you can set up styles like if you wanted to do it in a cartoon style it can do things in a cartoon style or if you wanted to do it like pointillism or any other kind of artistic style you specify that and it will do whatever the picture is now what is it doing actually is it drawing or quote unquote drawing <laughs> pictures from a library? Is it pulling on those images? Is it is it got an image catalog that it uses? I know that some of those AI art generating programs, they go based off of like a Google search type thing. You right. know, like they right. go off of images that they can search for on the internet and yeah. they'll kind of create an amalgam of all of the images that are based on that keyword. Right. That's not really drawing, you know? Isn't that kind of what we do? I'm going to draw a dolphin. And I think of all the dolphins that I've seen, and then I draw a dolphin. How is that any different than a computer doing that? By pulling a bunch of images of dolphins, identifying what the dolphin is, and then combining those different dolphins into a single dolphin. That's a good point. It's not necessarily different if you get down to brass tacks. But there's no creativity there, right? It's combining things in a way that... It's not an original creation, per se. Right. Maybe that's how you get around the whole using a computer. Like, if it's a contest, it has to be an original creation. Yeah. Can't be something that was an amalgam of other images. Yeah. I don't know. I personally... Don't think that you should submit an AI-generated image into an art contest, especially not at a local art festival. (laughs) But, you know. Second second grade. (laughs) Okay. Totally okay. If it's just a casual friend art contest. (laughs) Your your Wednesday night art contest with the boys. Hey, should we play poker or should we have an art contest? It's a thing that m- that millennials are doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're gonna do wicker. That's the <laughs> that's our art contest this, this week, week. We're doing the human form. The human form. Hey, Dave, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing next weekend? You want to come over and play poker with us? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can program a computer to be creative. Not really sure what parts of the brain we use to create new ideas or images but Mm. it seems like it would be a lot of work to try and get a robot to create a unique image you know based off of the quote-unquote imagination so to speak right does a computer have any concept of an imagination or an unreal what's the word i'm looking for an abstract idea right abstract concepts yeah that's one of the interesting parts with these computers is like like when you put in a word like wealth 
what do they associate with that? Right. What is it? Is it just basically taking like what what you do on a search engine, and it would do the same thing with an algorithm and figure out what that means, and then draw something or pull an image or a combination of images that have to do with that. Right. There is a program, and I think I called I talked about this briefly on another show, but it is called Doll E D A L L hyphen E. It's one of those programs that you put in words or descriptions and it will generate an image based on the words you input. But one thing they were noticing with Doll E was that it was, I don't know, for the lack of a better word, racist, or it was sexist, or it was a bunch of ists. Right. Because it draws on a catalog. When you said lawyer. Doll E drew 10 different lawyers. All those lawyers were male and white. So how do you program diversity into something? Yeah, that's a fundamental problem with how those concepts are portrayed in images and in media that is available online. So it seems like it would be impossible to filter, you know, the pre-existing biased media that we have produced that reinforces those stereotypes yeah like if you put non-binary human in a cornfield what would what would that yield i mean you know i'm gonna search that right now on this ai generator called dream non-binary person in a cornfield okay and we're gonna do realistic for the art style and this is a web-based application that does that for you where it comes up with a thing and is that what you're doing yeah Wow, that's actually really cool. I'll show you the image. I want to see this non-binary person in a cornfield. Non-binary person in a cornfield. I'm not going to send it to my mom. I almost just sent that to my mom. Whoops. She would be very confused. That would be an interesting conversation to be had, I think. I was on a podcast, um, and you know, as one does, we were talking about non-binary people in cornfields. Yes. The two big topics of the week were dry cappuccinos and non-binary people in cornfields. <laughs> it's a hot topic these days. Yeah, exactly. Unlike the store hot topic. Is that still around? Uh, yeah, as okay. far as okay. I know. Where all the cool kids worked. <laughs> all, the, all the attractive people. The alternative. People. Okay, that is... Uh, That's a non-binary person in a cornfield. So, they so, are wearing a pink shirt. It says Nauntily Wibbly on it and they have really nice like fluffy hair and glasses and they're smiling and it's not really clear what kind of body they have it's a very gender non-specific body type yeah exactly so it's kind of cool this website that you're using is called dream.ai it looks like the url is wombo.art okay by the way that non-binary person also white that is true they are white I don't think it's winning any... uh, I don't know if it's going to win the Colorado Fair art contest. Interesting. I'll I'll check that out. You should definitely check that out. I'm sure I could lose hours and hours to generating my own random pictures. Yeah. Maybe it'll be the new new way I generate GIFs. There you go. Yeah, I typed in my name and thankfully my face didn't pop up. So that's good. That's good. I would be a little freaked out. That would be freaky. I don't know if I sent you the article about the people who taught a goldfish how to drive. There are a couple of scientists in Israel earlier this year. And it's, you know, it's not like they're driving a car or a go-kart or anything. Do they use their turn signals, though? <laughs> I, 
I don't know. I think that's an advanced sort of <laughs> thing. They taught six goldfish to drive a small fish tank yep. on wheels around a room. Yep. If they were able to figure out where to drive the vehicle, they get food or yeah. whatever. There's motivation there. I also drive because I want food. I don't know. I think a lot of people do. <laughs> so is that a sign of intelligence? I mean, that is a learning. They taught. Right. That is a sign of intelligence. That's why intelligence is vague as a term. Because oh, yeah. yes, it denotes intelligence the same way. Like you can say intelligent life is pretty much any creature on the planet, right? Yeah. But a lot of them are motivated by base desires or base survival instincts like getting food, reproducing, keeping safe and staying alive. But it doesn't denote like higher level human intelligence or right. doesn't denote genius for a goldfish to drive a car in, in return for food. Goldfish. Yeah, but it's like, how do you define what makes a human more intelligent? You know, because right. we also can do things off of base survival instinct. Yeah. You know, that's why we work jobs and why we interact with society. It's all to fulfill these semi-basic needs that we have yeah you know i just had this weird image of the future where there are no more ubers because a company made taxis driven by goldfish and they can drive very well but the problem is they have to replace the goldfish so they've got all sorts of goldfish farms where they grow the fish what happens if one of them dies during the trip that would be bad that would be Awkward. Yeah. Bad for the person who's trying to get across the city, for right, sure. Right. I mean, do you just drop another goldfish? Do you have like a backup goldfish A backup there? goldfish? A substitute goldfish uh, driver? Yeah. I don't know. The logistics of that are really hard to tackle. Yeah, I think, I think so. Okay, well, let's get on to games, shall we? Yeah, let's talk about games a little bit. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Pong. Yeah. And brain cells. My aunt, Nora, she sent me an article. The article is an NPR article that was published, boy, October 14th, so pretty recent. Brain cells in a lab dish learn to play Pong and offer a window onto intelligence. A dish of living mouse and human brain cells. Mouse and human. Grown in a Petri dish. Let me just read the... We've made huge strides in silicon computing, but they're still rigid and inflexible. That's something we don't see with biology, is the rigidity and inflexibility. And that's another question. It's like, how do you program flexibility? As far as responding to different situations, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Cortical Labs has been trying to understand how living brain cells acquire this sort of intelligence. You might have never been to someone's house, but a bit of rummaging and searching, and you may make a decent cup of tea as long as you've got the ingredients. How much you want to bet this guy's from England? Anyway. <laughs> what tipped you off there? I don't know. Maybe the tea? Oh, actually, this is a, that photo of the, that's the brain cells. Those are the brain cells yeah. going at it, playing some Pong. Playing some Pong. Not very well, but this I think I read that in the article. They're it, not very good. No, they're not good. They can play it. They can try and determine where the ball is going, but I guess it learns how to how to play it. So just um, give the brain cells some time. Yeah. 
To test the learning ability of cells, the computer-generated game of Pong, a two-dimensional version of table tennis that gained a cult following. Again, with the cult. The cult um, of Pong. Cult. <laughs> Would you be a part of the cult of Pong? No. No. I was never that into Pong. I just hear all you do is just run between two paddles. It's kind of boring. <laughs> um, occasionally, you'll bounce up against a wall. Scientists tried to motivate the cells. And that's another thing. How do you motivate cells? They motivated these cells by using electric stimulation. So they just electrocuted them. The way brain cells work, I guess, that that's what they want, right? They want some yeah. sort of electrical activity. So I guess that made sense. The approach worked. Cells began to learn to generate patterns of electricity, uh, electrical activity that would move the paddle in front of the ball and gradually the rallies, the back and forths, got longer. The brain cells never got that good at Pong. <laughs> but interestingly, the human brain cells seem to achieve a slightly higher level than the mouse brain cells. Well, that so, makes sense. So they were comparing those mouse and human brain cells to the activity of learning how to play Pong. Maybe programming is not where we take artificial intelligence. Maybe it's a biological sort of thing that occurs. Yeah, I can see is, that. Is that, I mean, biologically created beings. Ah, boy. I now mean, we're getting into synthesis of biology and machines. Is mm -hmm. that what you're talking about? I guess. I guess. You know, being able to produce a biological being, however you create this biological thing, is kind of... It is an artificial intelligence, right? I mean, you create a being like a human in a lab or grow it, and their intelligence, is it natural intelligence? Is it, what is that intelligence when you create yeah. a thing in a lab? I mean, artificial would make sense because you are creating something, so it's, you know, it's an artificial thing. But that to me... That a, seems a lot more complicated than augmenting the existing human brain with capabilities that might surpass what we have naturally. So we're talking like a like a cyberpunk kind of sort of like thing? cyborg cyberpunk. I feel like in the video game, if that's what you're talking about, um, yeah, using like cyberware I'm about both, right? It's like you know, as a general concept and in a, in the game, cyberware yeah. is a cool concept because. It is a lot, I feel that it would be a lot less work to enhance your natural abilities with technology than to try and design a brain, like a machine brain that had the full capability of human emotion and reason. Mm -hmm. You know, we already have emotion and reason, so maybe we could have hyper quantum computing ability. We could add that in. Somehow, if we could link our brains to the same sort of like central processing unit that a computer has. If we were able to store things in our brain for long periods of time, we can't do that. We cannot store images. I mean, do I remember when I was three? I think I do, but I can't pull that image. Right. And, and, I mean, there are things that the human brain can't do well. And retaining images for a normal person is not 
something that happens. It degrades over time. This memory degrades over time. That's something that maybe that can somehow we can unlock that ability improving the fault the not faulty equipment but the limited the limited storage capacity yeah maybe improve the storage capacity of somehow the brain works because it determines what stuff it thinks it needs and what stuff it thinks it doesn't let's forget about the time i ate candy corn at the fair in 2010 let's forget about that i don't need that but um I'm going to remember that pH is the negative logarithm of the molar concentration of hydrogen ions in a solution from back when I was in junior high school. Yeah. Why? Why can't we allocate? You know what I mean? It's it's, a, it's if like, we allocated too much memory, though, don't you think that there would there the same way if you use too much of your computer's memory, it slows it down, well, right? right? So, right. but why is my brain remembering something that's unimportant? Yeah, well, I I don't know about that, to be honest with you. All I know is that our long-term memory is regulated through our sleep. You know, but who's to say why we remember certain things over other things? It's all got to be tied to our, like, basic fundamental assigning of importance of one thing or the other. Maybe that is also a sign of intelligence is prioritizing. Yeah, being able to prioritize information, yeah. different information. Right, or tasks or things. Very interesting discussion on that. But teaching a dish of brain cells to play Pong, I guess the point is even brain cells on their own can quote unquote learn. It's like you hook the brain cells up to the thing and how do you punish yeah. the brain cells? Are the are the brain cells being punished? I don't think so. I, I what I not. think it comes down to is give a brain cell a Pong and it'll play for a game, but teach a brain cell to Pong and it'll play for a lifetime i I don't i don't think that's the way the saying works it only works for fish it's the principle you know yeah i guess they're studying electrical activity to some extent but just the fact that they say well it can't play well (laughs) it wasn't very (laughs) good at it good but but they did it yeah i mean it's the rudimentary stages give those brain cells another 26 years and they'll be where i'm at you know i can i can play pong pretty well yeah that's another thing it's hand-eye coordination is a part of playing things or video games in general back in the old days people said oh they're gonna rot your brain just like you do uh watching television is gonna rot your brain or playing video games since it's like watching television is gonna rot your brain which i got to think that there is a level of problem solving sort of euphoria that occurs from playing games and being rewarded with something either be story or mechanics that develops intelligence or sustains activity in the brain. For sure. I don't think that playing video games rots your brain. And I know that there's something to be said about it improves your hand-eye coordination, but on just the level of actually using your brain and does it stimulate activity Right. Probably helps you become better at doing those games, but it doesn't necessarily promote intelligence in other areas of life. Mm. You know, it doesn't promote the ability to doesn't promote interpersonal skills for one <laughs> interpersonal intelligence. Yeah, it might not. I mean, there is. But is there a game that that is designed to promote interpersonal communications? There are a lot of problem solving games like playing game 
trying to beat the game or trying to play the game in the most effective manner is a, a thing that is, I mean, the brain, it's, you're trying to figure something out. I mean, isn't that an intelligence sort of thing? I mean, you're trying For to sure. figure out how to beat the game. It's also kind of a short reward circuit kind of thing. Yeah. You know, cause you get, you get your dopamine from, from beating the level or beating the game or, or speed running ocarina of time in five minutes right? Um, or whatever it is for you. It makes you feel happy, makes you feel satisfied, but I don't know how stimulating that is for problem solving. Yeah. Probably to a certain degree. Just not like give everyone video games and have them play them. But I mean, you know, I play video games and I can play other video games because I played the previous video games because I know certain skills that I've developed, right? Oh, yeah, of course. A sign of intelligence. Applying skills you learn in one place to another activity, wouldn't that be a sign of intelligence? Yeah. You know, maybe it's a niche intelligence that you develop and depending on what the game is, that may or may not be something you can apply yeah there's certainly nothing wrong with that it would be cool if there were more games that taught you things that help you build in real life you know there's an actually a mobile game called wild true learn it simulates say pizza company like career builder basically but it also teaches you how to program with python oh which is kind of neat I like the idea of more games that not only give you that short circuit reward path that makes you happy um, and lets you simulate and lets you do what you enjoy doing, but maybe also gives you the tools and the skills that you need to build something new and original on your own. Right. I guess now that you put it that way, comparing video game playing to that, you have a point, right? I mean, to me, that's, that's that's a useful skill, being able to manipulate something in a certain way with the joysticks maybe applicable <laughs> somewhere but um but yeah i mean i think does it do video games require brain activity yes do they require some sort of level of intelligence yes can they be addictive yes absolutely i mean these are all questions about video games but for me their enjoyment you were going to bring up a game on the subject of intelligence that I didn't get a lot of playtime with, but I thought the concept was very interesting. Spore? Yeah, Spore. When did that come out? That was like 2008? Spore came out in 2008. You are correct. <laughs> that was good. See, why do I remember that? <laughs> but I don't know how to do CPR on my cats. Well, have you ever learned how to do CBR on your cats? No, but but I mean, if I did, <laughs> I'd probably forget it. See, so anyway. that's, yeah, that's totally apples to oranges, man. Okay. Spore is very cool. The, I thought about it when we were talking about intelligence, mm-hmm. because basically you are tracking an intelligent species from its very conception to the space age. That's why it made me think of that, because, you know, you're taking an amoeba, at the very beginning of the game, an right. amoeba that floats around in the ocean mm-hmm. and consumes particles until it becomes so large that it can develop optical sensors and then, you know, it can walk, it develops legs. 
creates basic tribal communities. And then, you know, you get to the civilization age. So it's kind of a cool simulation of life in that sense, mm. as long as it doesn't offend your understanding of biological progression. It is just a game. Yeah. <laughs> How far did you get? I mean, did you play it a number of times with different species or, that you created? Or yeah, you I've, just... I've played it up to the civilization age I've, or the tribal age, I should say. And it is it's very cool. Like I said in the beginning, you just float around and it's almost arcadey because you're trying to avoid the particles that are larger than you so you don't right. get consumed right. and you're trying to consume the particles that are smaller than you so you can get bigger and, and you gain more DNA is mm -hmm. what they call it. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, you're on land and you have these small like groups of other animals that are like you because you can reproduce now and you're going around either befriending other organisms or engaging in like hostile relations with them so you right. might you know right. fight one type of organism and you might become friends with a different one so it's really an interesting simulation yeah. of biological evolution yeah. and social evolution those sim games occasionally can be really a lot of fun spore was one of those interesting ones that i never i never picked it up personally but i saw that there are also variations as far as the forms, the different aliens. There's there's some variety that can occur there, too. They're unique-looking yeah. aliens as well. They're right? very cool. Yeah, you kind of tailor it to your own. You can make some wacky-looking creatures. Right. You can put the arms on the head or on the butt. You can give them one arm. <laughs> Not that you ever made an arm-butt alien. You don't, you don't know my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a lot of fun. It's very, it's more sandboxy stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's creativity too, right? Yeah. It's, it's like part arcade, part simulator, part creativity. Here's your blank canvas. Yeah. It just so happens to be a being. But you said you never got to the end game content, right? No, I never made it to the civilization age, which is where you start to do like your division of labor. You're going to have like all the different organisms are going to start dividing what kind of labor goes to who mm -hmm. and then once you get to the space age apparently there's just a bunch of different nations on the planet made up of your organism and the goal is to I, I go to space i guess right which i don't think we've reached the space age quite yet it started in the 70s it's getting better it's getting a little better yeah i don't like the fact that we ran a rocket into a asteroid but see i i disagree with you on that what? i think it's cool okay we didn't, <laughs> and it it's wasn't like, a rock well yay we prove physics works hooray yeah but we've never launched something to hit an asteroid and change its course before okay. the what do we know that asteroid what else is it going to hit because we changed the direction of it not, we don't know not us well it might hit a satellite it might hit a i mean how can you how can you determine that? It's 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 nature. I a little bit of it is like engineering and science. Yeah. The fact that they were able to launch a vending machine sized object into space and hit an asteroid is pretty remarkable. Right. And the junk is is where? I don't know. It's somewhere it's just out in, space. Of in space. Exactly. We don't give a shit. <laughs> but about in, what in we the put event in, space. in the event that there is an asteroid that's like trajectory is going to hit the planet and cause a like life what do they call that like a life threatening event yeah a planet ending event whatever that's called right 
you know, I would rather have junk floating in space than for the whole planet to die. But isn't that like preparing for a gang fight with developing a nuclear weapon? It just doesn't, I don't know. I don't know. That seems like a slippery slope right there. Yeah. Like as far as like comparing the two. Well, you, you know what I mean though. It's, it's like, why are we developing that technology? Is, does that mean that that's coming? Have we seen that come? Are we seeing that there's it's a problem? Just, it's just an idea, you know? Yeah. It's a possibility. Yeah. It's something that we would rather be prepared for and know how to deal with it than something that we'd have to devise a strategy for in the moment. I don't know. It seems to me to be a silly notion that we can control everything in space, but fine. I don't know if we can, but we, we can can't. sure as hell try. We can't. It's like it's like life. I mean, we can you know just be here and enjoy. What's wrong it. with trying to have strategy? There's nothing. You know what? Let's not argue about this. Let's <laughs> talk, you know maybe uh, arguing. I hear is a is a sign of intelligence. I yeah. I don't know if it's an argument as much as a debate. It's a discussion. It's, it's a, a debate. Yeah. Discussion. It's a discussion. Discussion. <laughs> it's a, it's a very dry discussion. <laughs> To end the show, it's yes. a very dry. In conclusion, in conclusion, it is a dry cappuccino. <laughs> <laughs> so, closing words on intelligence. Closing words on intelligence. Yes, your closing words. In general, being smart is just about always being open to more knowledge. You know, yeah. I know what I do not know. That's something that I brought up to you yeah. the other day. But it's also a really cool concept that applies to technology um, and to other organisms out there on the planet mm-hmm. because everything is in a state of flux and development and we never know what intelligent life is going to be in 50 years or in a hundred years from now. Right. We never know. We, we never know that. Yeah. Be open to learning because there's also sometimes we have a tendency to live or want to live in the known to exist in this comfortable area and learning is something that could be could introduce chaos so therefore it's a lot easier to live in this room without any knowledge because then you're blissfully unaware yeah be open to learning Mm, absolutely i'm not saying everyone has to have a podcast and do research about stuff but it's fun for me so yeah intelligence very very big word oh it's a good one though yeah it was fun Thank you, Cheyenne, for joining me on this week's episode. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ben, for having me back. On that note, my name is Ben. And my name is Cheyenne. And we've been your hosts. Have a wonderful night. Bye. Bye.